I'm such a huge fan of kids getting to experience that moment, even though it's often met with tears, it's often met with failure, but it's also met with victory, overcoming growth. But so often in life, parents do everything they can to remove pressure or suffering or adversity. And in doing so, we actually lose opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Hey, everybody, we are starting a new series today about the Christian and sports. If you've heard the last few weeks, you know that we are going over the three C's that are the basis for kids' strength for life. They are Christ identity, character, and communication. The last three podcasts have been about Christ identity. If you haven't heard those episodes, I highly suggest you go back and listen. Today, we're starting a series on character. An excellent place to form character is on a sports field. We had four daughters who all played sports in some way as kids. It contributed so much to building character. The highs and lows of failure and the victory were all compacted into about an hour and a half game. From the excitement of coming in first in their league to missing the final free throw that determines the championship game, they felt it all. To bring that character building under our Christ identity builds an internal strength that will last a lifetime and will impact others for eternity. So let's welcome Kevin Bailey as he talks about the Christian and sports. We are here this morning with Kevin Bailey, and I am very thankful to Kevin for coming on because he's got a pretty unique set of passions, and we're going to talk about those this morning. First of all, Kevin is a pastor. He is my pastor, actually, and I'm grateful to him for so much that he does. But he is also a coach of one of your sons? Uh, Two of them, and then my daughter in basketball. Okay, so you're a coach three times. How do you have time to prepare those sermons? (laughs) It's, It's a pinch, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, Kevin has four kids, and I was going to say they're all very athletic. I didn't realize that you were coaching three different teams. Not all at the same time, though, right? No, not at the same time. I did. I've tried to balance it out a little bit because there is there is too much. Yeah. So you have been an athlete yourself, and you played sports through high school. So I have a question. When you were playing sports years ago, and I think I know the answer to this, Did they have practices and games on Sundays? That's interesting, Lori, because I feel like I can remember I'm 40 now. So I'm in a time spot where there was part of my upbringing where that didn't exist. And then it did start to exist. Mm -hmm. So by and large, Sunday was not a day in which sports were played growing up. And if it was, it was very, very rare. Mm Mm-hmm. There was an appreciation and a respect for the Lord's Day. Yeah, I think broadly speaking, that's true. Whether or not it was respected as that or if it was, hey, we just want to make sure that there's a day that's slower than the rest. I'm not sure. But yeah, it is now a lot more crowded on Sundays than it ever has been. Mm -hmm. 
So that brings some new challenges. So you obviously being a coach and having your kids in sports, you appreciate sports for reasons. What's the advantage of your kids in sports, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question, Lori. I think maybe I'll go back a little bit and I understand that some of this is bias, but to this day, I still have good friends who my first interaction with them was through sports. In fact, we have people at our church, one of our elders, Bob and Lori Amici, I met them first through sports. He was one of the coaches for a team that him and his son were on, the Pirates, I think when we were five, and relationships were formed then. One of my good friends, Jake, who recently came back to the Lord and we got to baptize a handful of years ago, my relationship with him was cultivated through baseball over the years. And I didn't realize until about eight years ago when he came back to the Lord that that foundation that was built then was part of the groundwork that was being laid for eventually him coming back to the Lord later on in life. So one of my primary things that I love about sports is it creates opportunity for relationship and especially with relationship with people who are different than you. And so that's something that I really appreciate about sports. And so to this day, every time I pull my teams together in the first two or three practices that we have, I circle everybody up and I let each of them know. I tell them my story a little bit. I remind them that, hey, some of the people that I play baseball with, similar to this at your age, still friends with today. And this sport, has a way of being a conduit for us to actually grow together, become friends together. And so I make sure every single person on the team knows every single name of everybody on the team. I make sure that everybody on the team knows something unique about another person on the team. And so I'll say, hey, everybody introduce yourselves, say who you are, make sure you say it loud enough so everybody can hear and tell us what school you go to. And then I normally will ask some sort of question that's pertinent. One of my silly regular ones, something simple like, what's your least favorite vegetable? And one of the reasons I do this is because there are so many times when kids, especially in their primary years between five and actually really all the way up to 14, my oldest is 14 right now. Uh, they, one, often don't know how to talk to adults very well. And so I'm an adult most of the time. And I want to make sure that they can communicate with me, but also they don't have peer-to-peer -peer conversations as much as people would think. And so learning how to share things about themselves and listen to other people is an important skill set that I try and help inhabit in them early on. But the most important thing for me is with these kids is I want the, each of them to understand that their voice matters and that God has given them a voice. And though I'm not blatantly talking in a hyper-evangelistic way, the Imago Dei is such a foundational theology in my life that is that every single human being is created in the image of God and has innate worth, not because of what they do, but because of who's made them, that I want to show them that their voice matters. And so those are some things that we instill in our kids every time we get together and and then it also allows us to help facilitate relationship for them a little bit because a lot of kids don't have a lot of avenues for relationships to be cultivated, especially with people who might be different than them. So I appreciate those aspects of sports. And then maybe the other side, I also really appreciate the adversity that comes in sports. I think 
because of the amazing country in which we live, suffering is not a main theme for a lot of Christians out here. Adversity isn't often a main theme. And sometimes pressure isn't something that's often felt in an appropriate way. And I love that sports introduces that in a safe way, in particular baseball, because there comes a moment in baseball where nobody else can do it for you. You're up to bat. Nobody else can swing. It's just you, Uh, (laughs) you know, you are up there in that moment. And there are times, and I try and teach this to our kids, life is challenging. There are going to be pressure-filled moments in life. And the question is, what are we going to do when that comes up? How are we going to respond? And I really believe that oftentimes sports can be a fantastic place for people, especially young boys and girls, to experience pressure and adversity in a way that's safe, yet also feels very real. It's, It's training in many ways for other areas of life. And so I'm such a huge fan of kids getting to experience that moment, even though it's often met with tears, it's often met with failure, but it's also met with victory, overcoming growth. But so often in life, parents do everything they can to remove pressure or suffering or adversity. And in doing so, we actually lose opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Which leads me to another question I wanted to ask, and that is, when your son or a kid on your team strikes out, how do you help them cope with failure? Are there ways that you yeah. approach failure? You touched on it with obstacle as a learning, but how do you walk them through the learning? Sure. Well, there's a handful of character things that we try in character development is huge in, in this area. And again, so much happens under pressure. A lot of good things can happen and bad things can happen too. But if we take the posture of learner, we get the opportunity to grow. So one of the things that we'll talk about with all of our athletes is, hey, we always we always need to be learning. We need to make sure to make no excuses. Uh, To me, no excuses is one of the, the most important pieces to what these athletes can learn, these young men and young girls can learn because excuses are one of the greatest enemies of growth. I love that. Parents in so many other ways besides sports should embrace that as well. Absolutely. And so because when I talk to our athletes, one of the things that we really try and emphasize is we are growing. We are not staying stagnant. And so when we lose or when we strike out, these can be either just bummer moments that that stink and we have the opportunity to make excuses and get upset, whether it's the umpire, the pitcher, themselves, whatever. If they make excuses, all that it is is a bummer moment and it's it's a moment lost. But if we accept our responsibility in that, it's an opportunity to grow. And so you ask the question when a kid strikes out. Now it depends on the kid. It depends on their skill level in any sport. There are kids who are better and there are kids who are worse. And that is a reality. And as coaches, we have to not ignore that matters of safety come into play. If we ignore that, if we put somebody who isn't as skillful in the wrong position, they could seriously get hurt. We have to engage with them on their space and where they're at. So let's say it's somebody who has never gotten a hit in the season yet. They start the season and they're scooting their feet back every time the pitch goes and they're 
stepping out of the box and they start the season and they're striking out looking almost every time. You know, let's say in the third game, they finally stay put in the box. They still strike out looking, but I celebrate the fact that, hey, Benjamin, you're staying in the box. Good job. You know, and then we progress and we move. Hey, swing the bat. There have been a number of times where I've told our kids, I don't care what happens. Only thing I'm asking you to do is swing the bat. And so if you strike out, that happens. Now, as kids progress, that changes. And so when the kid who is playing for the first time and they've never hit, like we celebrate anything we can in that moment because we're engaging with them where they're at. As kids get older and as kids get more skilled, we engage with them differently. And so there are challenging pieces at that moment is a very pressure-filled situation. There's a lot of things that are going on in the kid's mind. They're thinking a lot of different things. I don't want to strike out or all I want to do is get a hit or I don't want to get hit by the ball is a big one that they deal with. But one of the things when kids strike out in crucial situations, I try and find something that I can celebrate. But there are times when there's not a whole lot to celebrate. There are times when kids are faced with that moment of adversity, that pressure-filled moment, and they don't rise to it. And I can, as a coach, I can either tap them on the back and say, good job, or I can try and come alongside them as a coach and say, hey, I understand that that was, that was a really intense moment and that must have been really difficult. We had an opportunity and we lost it. And I have a delicate balance of trying to do two things. Comfort the kid where they're at while also calling them forward. If I don't recognize that we blow it, I'm not doing that athlete any favors. However, if I don't comfort them, I'm also not doing that athlete any favors. And so we've got to have both things come together. So most of the time when our kids strike out, I find something I can celebrate. And then we also do the push and the pull where we try and encourage them or challenge them. In another way, if somebody strikes out looking, especially as kids get older, for me, that's something that's not 100% unacceptable, but pretty close. If we're not swinging, we are not rising to that moment, but striking yard is part of the game. And so we also want to teach our kids, you are not going to win 100% of the time. So we try and balance both of those things out. There's other moments that we have to deal with a lot. And this comes back to our coaching thing of, with no excuses is you also have to deal with umpires, which is a whole nother aspect of the game. And how do we help kids in their mental space not to get frustrated when that call doesn't go your way? How do we handle this? It's another thing that I love about baseball, actually, because umpires make wrong calls a lot. And wrong calls are made in life a lot through employer employees or through customers. Wrong things happen. How do we respond when something seems so unfair? And this is what I love about being in the situation as followers of Jesus is we get to have grace. We get to respond in a way that says, no matter what they do, I'm not going to treat them like the enemy. I'm not going to make excuses and I'm going to continue to move forward. But working with young men and young girls in that space where they are really frustrated. A foul isn't called. It can be one of the most infuriating things. How do I respond? Uh, and trying to help keep everybody calm and cool and breathing and uh, are things that we really try and work on. And then 
I think one of the other pieces that's rooted in our faith that is so helpful for me is this happens a lot with our pitchers. I said, hey, you need to recognize your worth to this world does not rest, does not rise or fall on how this game finishes. Your worth is not resting in this moment. You are valuable. You are precious. I'm grateful for you. You have a body that you get to use and it's a gift. So let's do the best that we can. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand your value is not found on this baseball field. And if I weren't coaching, if I weren't in these spaces, I'm not able to meet these young men and women in these moments where they're unsure with how to engage. And so that was a long-winded answer. How do we engage with failure? The other piece with that is when we lose, it's similar to when we strike out. If if we lose and we make excuses, we're not going to learn. And so when we do lose, I do this when we win too, but we meet afterwards and we talk through the wins and the struggles of it. Hey, what did we do well? What are areas that we need to grow in? Would it have been better to win? Sure. But losing is something that helps make us stronger if we are willing to take a look in the mirror, not make excuses and recognize the areas where growth is needed. Yeah, very good. Oh, such a good perspective. You've made it pretty clear that it's easy for your coaching and your Christian faith to walk alongside each other. Do you have any more to add about that? Yeah. So it's easy for me. I don't want to say what's easy for me. It's easy for everybody. Uh, God's wired me as a shepherd. I love being around people. I also really enjoy sports. I think they are important, but I think one of the reasons why I feel like they're pretty harmonious for me is that we want to, as a church and as followers of Jesus, we want to be engaged with the community that's around us. This is a place where our community is gathering. So often the church tends to say, hey, community, come to where I am. Hey, community, come here. We're not going to go to you, but we'll invite you to come to us all the time. And I think it's incredibly important that the church doesn't just take an invitational posture, but takes a sacrificial posture in moving toward the city and the community in which we live. And so for me, it's a fantastic opportunity to move outward. And having done this for quite some time now, we've also cultivated a relationship. There's now more than three families that are a part of our church that I came as a result of coaching. So much so that right now I'm coaching an all-star team and four of the kids are in our students. And it's a really neat thing. And as we've engaged faithfully over the years, it's created opportunity for people to trust us, for people to be excited to be on our team, for also new relationships to be cultivated. And so for me, it's not a challenge for this to be harmonious with our Christian faith. And our elder team is supportive of this. They've actually said, hey, we want you to almost consider this as part of your job. This is part of you being a missionary to our community. And that has been such a blessing because the church, like I mentioned before, the church needs to engage with our community. And sometimes it's really difficult to figure out where are those watering holes. I think of the woman at the well regularly, and it's one of my favorite stories. But in this instance, what it just reminds me of is there were common places where people regularly gathered. It didn't matter if you were a Jew or if you were male or female necessarily, there were things that needed to happen. People needed to get water. 
Generally, it was Jewish women going together to go get water. But nevertheless, it was a common space where people would gather. Now those common spaces are really hard to find. Where, where do we find the common spaces where we can be with one another? Everything is so fast paced and we move at a certain clip that it makes it hard to find common spaces where we can actually give other people's value, where we can honor the Imago Day in others. And I believe sports can be an avenue for that. And I will say in particular, baseball and probably soccer too, there's something about the outdoor nature and the slower paced nature of what's going on. Basketball is a little bit more challenging, even though I love basketball, but it's so loud in the gym and it, everything's moving so fast paced and you're moving people in and moving people out. It's a little bit harder for the community development. But being engaged in the sport community, especially in baseball, there's a slower pace. And not only am I able to engage with these 10 to 15 young boys, but Keely and other families are able to engage with one another. It's not just a place for me as a coach to engage. It's a place for other families to potentially be intentional on the sidelines mm-hmm. as they're talking, engaging, learning other people's stories. And so... That's something that has been important for us. And we see it as part of our ministry to our community to be the light that God has called us to be in these spaces. Because even though I have a big affinity towards it, there's also a lot of darkness engaged in a lot of youth sports as well. Yeah. We are going to stop there and pick up next episode where we left off. So much more to come. So please return, subscribe if you haven't done so, and remember to rest in the Lord this week. Mm -hmm.